0: Welcome to the Show Me Education podcast. Join us as we share best practices and show you the amazing and meaningful work of educators across Missouri and beyond. The mission of the Show Me Education podcast is to share stories that resonate with you and allow you to walk away feeling energized and inspired to improve education in your own community. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the learning.
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. This is episode 17 of the Show Me Education podcast, and we are talking about equity in Missouri, in schools, and in general. My name is John Schuler. I'm co-hosting with my good friend, Rob.
2: Hey, everyone. I'm Rob Greenhaw. Happy to be a co-host of today's episode um, and super excited to be interviewing the um, Two wonderful professionals that work with me at the St. Louis RPDC, Uh, so Lisa Thompson and Sonia Murray uh, are both former principals and uh, they're currently MLDS consultants. So they're on the Missouri Leadership and Development System. Uh, And they both do really wonderful workshops and professional developments around the topic of equity. So excited to be interviewing them today. Please make sure you connect with our podcast on social media. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. The handle is at ShowMeEducation. Uh, and you can also find us on Facebook if you search for the Show Me Education podcast.
1: So today we're going to talk about equity, but it, but it was a fascinating conversation. In fact, it was such a good conversation. Uh, we had to keep going over our regular time, and we're going to split this into two parts.
2: Yeah. And I thought uh, a real highlight of today's conversation was uh, there's a really great question that we posed to Lisa and Sonia kind of asking them like, if you were to give a homework assignment to the state of Missouri uh, relating to equity, what might that assignment be? Uh, and I thought their answers to that question were, were really fascinating. Yeah.
1: The, the whole thing was just a, a great conversation. I could have, I could have talked to them all day actually. All right. Well, um, so some more information is uh, in our show notes, uh, which is in your podcast feed. You can also uh, connect with those through uh, our bit.ly, which is uh, bit.ly slash show edu. So let's just let's get on with the show here.
2: All right. Can't wait. All right, welcome everyone. Uh, really excited to get into this conversation today about equity in education. Um, my name is Rob Greenhaw. I'm a member of the core team of the Show Me Education podcast. Um, I work at Education Plus in St. Louis with the St. Louis RPDC. Um, my my specialty area is working with teachers on um on feeling more effective with with instruction for English learner students. So I'm part of the the MEL team which is Missouri Migrant and English Language Learning um, and uh, I'm kind of co-hosting this this episode today with John Schuler. So uh, John would you introduce yourself? Hi
1: everybody my name is John Schuler and I'm a leadership development specialist at the Central Regional Professional Development Center at the University of Central Missouri in Warrensburg. We've got a couple of my colleagues with uh, a couple of our colleagues with us today who are um, just fantastic experts in this field. So I'll let them introduce themselves. Sonia, why don't you begin and introduce yourselves, and then Lisa, you can go next.
3: Absolutely, thank you so much for the opportunity to speak today. I'm Sonia Murray. I'm Missouri Leadership Development Specialist in the St. Louis uh, region. Uh, prior to that, I worked for the Achievement Network for roughly uh, five years in um, in Cleveland, Ohio. And so I'm, I'm just happy to be here today to uh, to have this conversation.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Lisa Thompson. I'm also a Missouri Leadership Development Specialist in the St. Louis region. Prior to joining MLDS, I spent 25 years in public education, doing everything from teaching to being an AP to ending my career as a building principal. And I'm really excited to be here to have, to participate in this conversation today.
1: Okay, thank you both for being here. And um, we're we're just really looking forward to this. So let's just jump in. Um, So uh, Sonia, if you would, you, you can start the answer on this one and Lisa, hop in. Um, But our first question is, as you both are doing equity training and work with schools, what makes you feel optimistic about the direction that your equity work or equity work in general is going?
3: Sure. So I am actually excited for the restart because in reality, school was not working well for all students. Um, And so when we think about education in general um, for the past 150 years, there was a, a bold uh, process put in place that we still utilize today. But in reality, that process or that format of schooling did not directly address the needs and supports of students who are in classrooms. And so uh, although the pandemic was um, was really difficult for many, it is elevating much of the inequity that, it, that what has been occurring for many years in schools. So although there is a crave to go back to normal, we have an opportunity for a new normal, and a new normal that sees students, that sees their needs, and that really puts into the faces of educators an opportunity to do schooling in a way that ensures success for all students and so i'm optimistic about that i'm excited about that and i'm excited about the opportunity for reimagination
1: thanks lisa what do you think
0: i agree wholeheartedly with Sonia. i think um, for a long time when we talked about equity education in schools it was very surface level right it was what kind of do you have people that represent different people on your bookshelves do you have posters you know, hanging up on the wall. So things that, you know, a quick trip to Walmart could fix, right? And so now, I think what the pandemic has done is kind of forced us to refocus on what equity really means, and it's pushed all the way down to instructional practices. So it's not just about the visual, right? What you see, who's in the classroom, you know, that physical appearance, but it's about what kids are we reaching, and who's growing, and who's learning, and who's not. And when about educational equity the bottom line is is everyone learning at an equitable rate not just whose faces we see in the classroom so I'm excited about that shift
1: Yeah, well, that's that's us I hadn't really thought about it as being you know some equity efforts you know being just a checklist of a poster on the wall and and some books and some you know representation you know in different areas um but I I I Actually, my thinking is already shifting. So that's really good. I'm not a fan of those checklist type of evaluations anyway. Wow. So um, that's really good. So I, I, thanks for answering it that way. Okay.
2: Um, so this is a, a great question. Uh, maybe hard to think of on the spot, but if we just think of Missouri and we think of education in Missouri, if we were to give the state of Missouri a homework assignment on equity uh, on how they could be more inclusive and provide more equitable educational experiences for students, uh, what what would that assignment be?
3: Mm -hmm. I would say go back to uh, TNTP's opportunity myth. Start there, read it again because in actuality, even before the pandemic, uh, it was elevated that students were not receiving uh, on grade level quality teaching and learning. And so specifically, uh, I would say uh, really ground in that study, uh, I believe they visited 5,000 classrooms and uh, less than 20 percent of the students were getting access to grade level content in ELA and in math. So I would say start there and recognize that even before the pandemic and before this conversation about how do we catch students up? there was a lot of conversation about uh, inequities then. And so I would say start there and let's really uh, have a, a serious focus around what's happening in classrooms, what's happening in schools, and uh, speak to the um, the biases and the expectations that are happening in schools uh, consistently.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you 100 um, percent, Sonia. I think that if we talk about our state, you know, this, the show me state, you know, it's funny that that's our slogan, because when you say show me, then that gives the implication that you want to see like what's in front of you, almost the truth, right? So, what is it in black and white? And I think that a lot of the pushback that we see around equity education has nothing to do with the truth, right? It's about all of the stereotypes and all of the mental models that come up when you hear the word equity. Instead of what it should really be about when we talk about what's taking place inside of schools, right? So it's everything but the truth. It's everything but the, you know, what's right in front of us. And so I think as a state, we would do well to invest some really strong PD and work in mindset shifts. We're going to really have to take a big mindset shift to think about what high levels of learning looks like for all kids. Right. So what are those expectations that we're holding for all students, no matter how much money their parents have in the bank, no matter what their reflection looks like in the mirror, no matter where their school is located, whether it's rural or urban or suburban, you know, it should not matter. And what we saw in this pandemic was a lot of our children who are served in rural communities were left behind. It was extremely inequitable. They did not have access to technology at the same rate as our students who were in in more urban and suburban communities. You know, so it's not always about physical appearance. It's about what do all kids have access to in order to help them reach the same standards that our state has decided that all kids should learn at a specific time. And so that's our state to take a step back and look at what that really means and, and get off of the... political arguments and jargon that are just there to make noise but what's going to really make a difference
1: the rural school issue is uh you know an effort of mine to make that more seen in Mm -hmm. in the state because honestly there are so many efforts in our legislature right now in missouri at the missouri level that are going to destroy you know rural schools and it's it's been inequitable for so long and when you know, you think of schools that have no opportunities for broadband because mm-hmm. that's not considered, you know, a human right, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, I mean, they would, they would, you know, be shocked if, if these kids didn't have access to water or, right. or, you know, food and yet, you know, the broadband and, and access to the internet and, and that kind of uh, equity is just, it's not there. It's not even thought of half the time. So thanks
2: for Absolutely. bringing it up. When I thought of this question about the homework assignment. I sort of thought about like like having people who make big time decisions on education spending time in the communities of uh, of our diverse students, right? So like, have you been in the schools where most of the students are students of color, and have you seen these facilities? Have you spent time in these communities? Have you gone to different um, events uh, in these communities, and and sort of like just because I feel like a a lot of the attitude that we don't want to see is often because this is such like a a foreign thing or this is something that I don't come into contact very often with. And I feel like actually being there and interacting with people in their communities and seeing the schools that they're going to every day um, could be eye-opening and make it maybe a bigger priority. Um, What do you, do you guys have any thoughts on that? I
0: think that you're being very optimistic <laughs> I believe that they don't care. I think that the mess is that what has happened um unfortunately for us right now in society is self-preservation has taken the stage. And yeah. so it's all about what's going to push me the furthest in my political career, what's going to push yeah. me, what's going to get me to where I need to be. So like when I made the comment about the show me state, it's not about what's actually happening. Now it's about how can I get the most clicks? How can I get the most support behind me? What's the most outrageous thing that I can possibly say that might garner me the most attention? And that's what it's become about. It's not about kids. If you listen to a lot of what's being said and the discussions, kids are at the very bottom of that priority list. Because if they weren't, what you're saying, Rob, would actually happen. People would go schools and see people would sit down and have conversations with the teachers and the leaders who were serving those communities and ask them about their needs and no one is asking educators all of these conversations are happening without educators at the table I do
3: think there has to be a mindset shift but again like I was reading this book I know you guys remember it who moved my cheese right (laughs) and so it's almost like what is your cheese? What is the thing? And right now, the cheese for many politicians, unfortunately, is the number of clicks, the number of likes, the number of votes, right? And so we have to make the cheese the students. Because ultimately, even though um, education right now is, I mean, it's probably the one t- of the toughest time we've ever been in, the focus has to be on what they need and how we provide them the supports. And so Lisa mentioned about technology too when she was talking. And I saw a quote that was really great uh, that connected to me, uh, connected to equity. And it said, technology will never replace great teachers, but technology in the hands of great teachers is transformational. And so right. when we think about rural access, uh, suburban access, like right to technology, technology as a tool by itself will not fix things, right? It has to be a mindset associated with how are we gonna use it? How are we going to provide students with the support they need to be able to meet the expectations we want with the technology as a tool or a resource? And so I just wanted to mention that because um, in many ways uh, I'm seeing uh, that people believe that technology is the answer. Just give everybody the access and that's enough and it's not. It has to be coupled with the mindset shift. It has to be coupled with uh, addressing those perceptions and biases about student expectations. And that's where the real work is. That's where the real mindset work is.
1: So, you know, when, Rob, when you asked that question, my first thought was, well, showing up for a day is kind of like that putting a a poster up, you know, Um, because it doesn't really mean anything, you know. I mean, and we had a former you know, secretary of education at a federal level who would show up for, you know, a day at a time at a school and feel like she knew everything about schools. Right. You know, I, and I, I did um, some data collection for the National SAM Innovation Project back in the day, you know, oh. which a few years ago. And, um, and, you know, I was following principals around for a week, you know, for five, four or five days at a time. And I couldn't say a word. So it's like mm-hmm. I, I had no input. I was supposed to be a fly on the wall. And I learned more about urban schools than I could have ever learned in a book. Then I could have all I did was watch, follow this principal and watch him or her. And I, and I was in schools all over St. Louis and Kansas City. And, um, and it was amazing what I learned. My whole brain shifted. And I thought, man, I, I thought, well, I kind of know, but I did not know. You know, um, and I still don't because I still didn't. I'm still not an employee. I still don't live that life. But I will tell you that um, that going in for a day, no, it, a you, day. you know, it's, it's not enough. It's listening to watch. people, <laughs> listening to people, you know, is is great. You know, is better than showing up with you know cameras behind you and or you know yeah. getting posting it on the news or Facebook or whatever.
3: You, you'll see what you look for. So if you go in with the mentality. Of one thing, that's what you're going to see because you're not even willing to go in with the perception that, hey, I need to uh, assess the conditions to make sure they're right for students. Yeah.
0: And Sonia, we've seen that repeatedly, right? Yeah. In yeah. the sound bites and when people are speaking at these meetings and, right. and their concerns, they will speak the same. You can turn from channel to channel be a different person. And it's like they're reading a speech and it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't even match the right. Re- of the situation like someone in a whole different set of facts and they just stick to the talking points and so i just think rob right now our state leaders are not in a place where they're really open to learning i I don't be interested in changing anything there's an agenda and the agenda has nothing to do with student outcomes
1: that's excellent point okay um all right so speaking of uh technology we had talked about technology and yeah. and i've already got i've already got a couple of things my you guys have given me a couple of things for my tool belt <laughs> to bring out you know at meetings and everything um but speaking of technology so um how do you think that it is offering i mean you talked about it a little bit but how is it offering uh, a rebalancing of equity and education uh, you know give me i guess I guess, really, since we talked about it a little bit, I guess a couple of examples of good examples of how you've seen it work to um, sort of rebalance uh, school equity in school and learning. Let's just say learning because the our goal is learning. So how does it how does it help with that?
0: You know, I have seen different schools um, be very innovative and do things throughout the pandemic, particularly the last year when um, kids were not face to face, when they were learning from home. Um, and what I what I had hoped didn't necessarily happen, but could happen in the future, you know, we're so com- compartmentalized, you belong to, if you live in this neighborhood, you belong to this particular district. However, we know that some school districts lack resources. For example, school A may you know only have a handful of kids who qualify for some upper level math course. And so they may not have a math teacher who can teach that course. They don't offer it because they don't have enough kids who need to take it. But the neighboring district, who's also financially strapped, might have a teacher that teaches that course because there are a few more kids. Well, what if we offered that course virtually and the teacher from the neighborhood, the other school district offered it, but any kid in the region could sign up for it, right? And so what happened was the technology, putting technology in the hands of kids when they were home, allowing them to be one-to-one, Allow them access to programs that would give them exposure to courses that they could never take in their home school because they didn't have teachers that mm-hmm. took those courses. And so, for some of our kids, Sonia mentioned this earlier, where she was saying, actually, with the pandemic, sometimes what educators don't like to talk about is there are some kids who actually flourished from being home. Yeah. All of the anxiety of school, all of the not feeling like they fit in, not being seen, all of that went away because they were in an environment where they were comfortable, they knew they were loved, they were supported, and then they had access to resources that they never had access to, access mm-hmm. before.
3: Yeah, only thing I would add to that, I agree with everything Lisa said. Um, the thing I would add is that um, there was a time where the playing field wasn't leveled with the technology and now you know after the pandemic it uh schools have the technology at least more becoming one-to-one but it's not enough it's not the end goal right we also have to think about engagement how are we using uh technology and and not even just technology how are we engaging students in general uh with uh getting students back into schools and Mm -hmm. There was a time over two years where um, technology was most, mostly our mode for teaching and learning. And so how is a balance being created in the classroom with the teacher at the helm, making sure that students still have the access to those critical skills that they need to be successful later using the technology, using engagement strategies.
0: Also, another thing we um, noticed through the pandemic Um, Particularly in high poverty schools, a lot of kids took advantage of not being in seat to go to work, right? So a lot of high school kids, particularly juniors and seniors, took jobs and um, were in the position where they could actually help their families. Because now they were employed, which which actually created another challenge for schools and trying to get them back because now you're competing with finances and they've been helping the family now for a year. But what we did notice through the pandemic is that some employers partnered with the school and allowed the kids to log into their classes on breaks or throughout different points of their shift so that they could continue with school while they worked. And so it created some new partnerships um, between public schools and careers. So people, different employers in the community and kids were able to do both of those things at the same time.
3: There was a lot of awareness created, but I think awareness is not what necessarily moves schools. You have to go to the next level and that's the engagement. Right,
1: yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter works at a a school, she's a middle school, seventh grade math um, teacher at a middle school, a charter middle school in Kansas City. And she, so their challenge was not like the, They had all the technology. They even gave kids, you know, um, you know, uh, ways to access if they didn't have it at home, all that, all of that. The money was not the issue. The issue was the home life, you know, when they got there, because a lot of middle school kids were in charge of their siblings because their parents were working, you know. And so so the parents looked at it and said, well, I can't send my kid to the babysitter. I can't send my kid to daycare. You know, they're they're in elementary school and they're not at school, but I still have to go to work or else. You know, and 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 most of their, their parents, you know, in this this Hispanic uh, community, was um, they they were they were working, you know, in restaurants and, and everything like that, hospitals and everything, and so I guess what how, how do we address that? I mean, I know you don't have, you're not going to it's I mean, we're not going to come up with all the answers here, but what what do what do we do to even to begin to address the fact that that it was a it was a significant number of her students. We're struggling with, with that issue.
0: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I was just in a meeting with the school. Um, yesterday, was that when I had my meeting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the concerns, the middle school principal voiced, was that he has a huge number of kids that miss the first hour and a half of school every day because the elementary school starts after the middle school. Mm-hmm. And middle school kids are charged with dropping their siblings off at school because their parents are working, which means they can't go to school until after they drop the siblings off. So they're missing their first period classes every day. And it's not one or two kids, it's a fair number of kids and this building is creating a significant issue. And of course, a significant learning gap for those students because they're missing core curriculum, you know, every day. And so we talked about that. And we talked about how While as educators, we cannot solve all of the ills of society, but what we can do is we can be creative. And so when we can see a pattern and we notice a gap, then what we have to do, particularly as building leaders, is we have to be the voice for our students. So what conversations are being had with other neighborhood organizations, for example, like the YMCA, like the Herbert Hoover's that offer before and after school care? Have we talked about creating partnerships where maybe they can open a branch? In the elementary feeder schools in this particular part of the district so those middle school kids can drop their siblings off early sometimes we just have to figure out ways around some of those hurdles so that we don't create obstacles for our kids that don't need to be there because we can't have the parents to put the job who's going to pay the bills and how we're going to feed them right. so they have to keep working so this is it's a reality you know do we look at maybe staggering the schedule or flip-flopping Just in that part of the district, is there a way to change the starting and end times for that? For the if we notice that's a pattern in that particular feeder, and so I just think that we have to be creative to those.
3: And that's what it takes to ensure equity is having that empathy, that understanding Mm -hmm. that maybe I need to be flexible in how I'm approaching a situation.
2: Uh, Lisa, I wanted to go back to something you said, which was. technology, allowing students to have access to courses that maybe they didn't have access to before. Um, and it made me think of something that I learned about recently, which was a couple districts. So I, I have like this ELD collaborative where a couple of different EL coordinators from districts get together and we talk. And um, a few of them only have, have a smaller number of English learners. <clears throat> um, and so, so in some districts with large numbers of English learners, Uh, they can basically justify providing what are called sheltered courses, right? So we could have Mm -hmm. like sheltered biology or or sheltered world history, which is basically a teacher who probably has an EL certification or maybe they're co-teaching with an EL specialist to provide, um, you know, grade level rigorous content that's accessible to English learners and they call it a sheltered class, right? So, Mm -hmm. uh, but if your district only has a few English learners, then it might seem like you don't have the resources to offer all of these different sheltered courses, right? right? But but anyway, they were basically talking like, hey, what if if we offered one course and a couple other districts offered one course, and then we could have our students sort of, so it kind of opens up this technology allowing students to interact with other students from other districts, to participate in courses, kind of collaborating district to district to, to offer sheltered courses or more accessible coursework for students that wasn't previously available so um so i really like that idea i'm not sure how much success they've how much progress they've gone with it but um but to me i I think that's really an awesome way to use technology right
0: yeah i just heard that suggestion being made at another meeting i was sitting Mm -hmm. Um, principal just lost a teacher a fourth grade teacher and they only had two sections and so the um one of the central office administrators suggested, you know, we're so used to hybrid learning because of the virtual. And when we were all virtual, we did do hybrid with some in-seat and some at home. We could just have this class to go into another fourth grade class in a different building and just have a TA to monitor. for so They're still getting grade level instruction from a grade level teacher in the same district doing the same work. You know, so I think technology in many ways has allowed us to be a little bit smarter in how we're doing things, right? But I still think it's being underutilized. Mm -hmm. There are
3: so many out-of-the-box ways, innovative ways that we can can utilize technology to meet needs in ways that we hadn't before. I I think Mm -hmm. it's being used a lot more now. but I think there is a way for us to truly um, capitalize on an opportunity to reach our students.
0: With technology as a tool, I agree. We're probably just scratching the surface, you know. We're at the beginning of this boom. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Well,
1: I I guess my biggest concern with with you know technology, and I mean, I don't have a concern with technology about using it. I'm not. I'm an, I'm practically an evangelist for for one to one education, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but you know, my concern when I, when I was a principal and I walk into classrooms was engagement, engagement, like, yeah. like the pretend engagement that kids can slip into. And, you know, I was less concerned about, okay, they, I know they were flipping from screen to screen and that poor teacher, you know, she's got 25 kids, you know, she's trying to monitor, she's trying to teach math at the same time, you know, and I'm, and I'm thinking, well, you, you can't possibly know that those kids are flicking between uh, screens or playing a game or whatever they're doing, you know. And and again, I was less concerned about that than I was about um, the fact that there was some lost instructional time, lost learning time, I guess is really what I'm saying, uh, Mm -hmm. and and helping teachers with that. So I think that sometimes the technology can give us a false sense of, you know, engagement. You know, I will tell you um, what,
0: I'm so old school. I really am. I try to wrap my mind around, love some of the innovative things that we've talked about, where technology can come in clutch, but I do struggle. Um, and Sonia and I've had this conversation because we've done observations together where we walk into classrooms and kids are just on the computer. And I, yeah. and I, and call me old, but if, I don't think if kids are sitting in front of a teacher who was highly qualified, trained, went to college, specialized in taking kids from point A to point B, that they should be doing something in that classroom space that they could be doing in the comfort of their own home. So in front of the teacher, take advantage of the teacher and their expertise. And I'm not saying technology doesn't have a place in the school day, but it should not be center stage. Like what that's all they're doing. Like everything is on the computer. I think it's too much screen time in, in some instances and the engagement is not there. Like it's become almost like a babysitter. And I think we have to be really, really careful about how the purpose and I think that that's maybe what's not being taken into account when you're when you're using technology as a tool like Sonia said it's a tool yeah. a resource right the purpose right of me pulling this particular tool out at this time right yeah it's not just because now it's reading so we're gonna do it on reading but I'm gonna pull this tool out for this very specific reason and this is what I'm going to be doing while you're doing this and so yeah I, I agree, really, but there Lisa, are two getting, different things between time on task uh-huh. and engagement, so time on
3: task might be looking at a computer screen or doing the assignment that the teacher gives, but engagement is the students are learning, and they're yes. learning to master it. and those yeah, are think, vastly different.
2: <laughs> Lisa, I think what you're saying, and you too, certainly, is something that came up with, uh, so to do a little shameless plug here, uh, yeah. Education Plus. <laughs> Uh-huh. MEPC offers the, the ISTE certification, uh, yeah. which I was successful in. Yay. But, uh, <laughs> Congratulations! Uh, but a big thing was talking about like, are you using technology just for the sake of using technology wow. or are you using technology intentionally and in a yeah. kind of transformational way where students are actually wow. able to do things that would never have been possible without technology. And I think Absolutely. it can't be just for engagement when you, when you get into these like authentic engagement where like i'm I'm doing this for a purpose and i'm I'm interacting with a community from like you know across the country that I wouldn't have been mm-hmm. able to do before or I'm able to show what I know in the form of a a video that I'm really interested in. and so yeah. you know I'm really engaged and want to do this because I'm excited mm-hmm. to create this sort of product that I couldn't have done before without technology mm-hmm. so uh, so I totally agree that. Sometimes it's just mindless, let's just use technology just because it's easier versus let's use technology because it is a way to make kind of an authentic, engaging learning experience.
0: And I do believe the intent, I don't want to give the wrong impression, I do believe the intent of teachers when they're using technology is they know it's important to expose kids to technology. And so they pull it out and they're like, okay, we're using technology. But again, Rob, you just said a key word, are they creating You know, when you are creating something with using technology, that's a whole different level of learning and engagement. But you're just clicking. It's basically a virtual worksheet and not the same level of engagement. Right. So it and a good teller of that is if the kids are asleep, I mean, literally, we walked into classrooms and seeing kids fall asleep in front of the computer with their finger on the screen. (laughs) It's just it's still boring just because. Flashing lights—it's just as boring as a as worksheet.
3: And I just want to add
0: one thing: just there's
3: a difference between intent and impact. Yes. And so that's back to Lisa's point and to your point, Rob, and even back to something you said earlier, John. Um, uh, the the the, the technology should lead to mastery of learning, and mm-hmm. so if the intent is to put technology in front of students, but it's not having an impact because it's being used as more than just a tool, that is where we start to have the problem. So the the, the, the whole focus is to make sure that um, the lesson is planned where it's culturally relevant, where it addresses students' needs, where it's authentic, and that it leads to uh, mastery of the learning. And the
0: technology is just an aid to get students there. And the learning is based in a standard. So, that you created for that day, not a, a fun activity, right? Connected to an actual standard, <laughs> right? A mastery, right? Yes.
3: At least the mastery of yes. the intended learning target or the intended yes. objective that you were trying to get students to learn.
2: Wow. Thank you so much, Sonia and Lisa, for being a uh, guest on today's uh, episode. The conversation was so good. Um, we're actually going to have a part two to this that will come out in uh, a week from now. Uh, but really want to thank both Sonia and Lisa for being our guests today. And I really want to thank our listeners for tuning in today.
1: If you have a favorite resource on equity that you'd like to share with us, just tag us on social media with hashtag show me education.
2: And you can find our guests on social media also. So if you want to follow either Sonia or Lisa on Twitter, Sonia's handle on Twitter is at Murray 2 And Lisa is at Thompson71. Um, also, please connect with uh, John and I. So uh, I am on Twitter. My handle is at Rob Greenhall. And uh, you can find my co-host, John Schuler. He's on Twitter. His, his handle is at jay Schuler too uh, so we'd be happy to interact with you guys on social media also again part two of this episode is going to come out uh, a week from today so it'll be be out uh next wednesday april 27th uh, so if you enjoyed today's conversation we're going to keep that going next week so you know until then everybody keep up the great work
1: yeah thanks thanks everybody we'll see you next week
2: Thank you for listening to the Show Me Education podcast. Be sure to share your learning from the show with others. The Show Me Education podcast is a collaborative project between the regional professional development centers of Missouri with a vision of sharing best practices and showing you the amazing and meaningful work of educators across Missouri and beyond. Please subscribe to the show to catch all the wonderful content coming your way.